Welcome back to Reexamined. I'm Emily. I'm Toby. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jesse. On this podcast, we take a look back at pop culture touchstones that influence society. This season, we're reexamining the Twilight Saga. We are definitely not professionals or even critics. We're just four women in our mid-20s that love consuming and talking about media. This episode, we'll be taking a look back at the way that sex is presented in Twilight. What about the way it's written and presented made Twilight stand apart from so many other franchises. Hey yo, okay, so with that all being said, you guys, what do you guys think about, just in general, like how sex is presented in the saga? Maybe starting from like, I guess like the first book, like initially, and like progressing as like the books and movies went on. So there's actually a lot written about this and a lot of the things I found just like what the the consensus, the general consensus was that the Twilight books in general are only about sex. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the book was published in 2005, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently, when Bush came into office. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa I'm suddenly intrigued. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, what? what? Wait, so um, we're talking. I did not, if you had me pegged for Twilight Sex episode content that we'd be talking about, George W. Bush, I would have not put that on my bingo card, but continue. I know, right? Uh, hold on to your, hold on to your seatbelts. Apparently, it was published in 2005, which is the same year that the Bush administration spent $270 million on abstinent-only sex education programs. I don't know if one has to do with the other, the other has to do with one, but that's an interesting historical context point. I would say. Oh, Grant. shit. Do you think Stephanie Myers and, and Bush were conspiring to not teach oh my gosh. about sex? You think that they were maybe like lovers? <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying one thing went to another. I, I don't know. I don't on. fucking know. I don't know if the publisher you're, or if I there was a government saying. thing. To, I'm saying this was in the cult. This was in the context Culture. of. Yeah. This of was what moment. was happening at the time. But yeah, was, was, the, the moment. was the money that they poured into the abstinence-only program, like, had it not been abstinence-only before? Because I feel like public school system has basically only taught abstinence-only from, like, the time of public school's conception. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you never seen the banana demonstration? <laughs> no. I, I, well, that's why I'm asking. You know, my sex had never actually taught us the banana situation. They just showed us childbirth. Anyways... That was kind of a weird fear tactic, (laughs) but it makes me think like uh, what, what education did Stephanie Myers have about sex? Because that's really like, Mm. that's really like what it comes down to. Cause like she was a grown woman when she wrote, well, actually she was pretty young when she wrote them, but, um, but still like, it's not like she was in school being taught abstinence only in 2005. Right. I mean, I think it probably has less to do with her public school education and more. I mean, obviously, like, very famously, like, this is not groundbreaking to anyone listening. Like, uh, most people know that Stephanie Meyer is, like, Mormon and, like, it's, like, pretty prominent in their faith to uh, abstain until marriage. So, yeah. obviously, that's, like, heavily represented in 
Edward's character. I guess you could say, like, Edward is, like, that viewpoint because he's, like, doesn't want to have sex with Ella until marriage, really. And even then, he, like, still doesn't really want to. He, like, doesn't want to have sex with her when she's human. And then Bella is... I guess you could say, like, Bella's more, like, representative of, like, the modern time because she, like... Like, it's, like, from day one, like, up on Edward. Yeah, like, Bella what? is so horny, this whole franchise, which I love. Uh, but also, like, Edward isn't even religious. Like, he's not even, like, hey, my belief is that you shouldn't have sex till marriage. So, like, let's not do that. It's not rooted in any, uh, like, faith. It's just that, like, it, well, I mean... I kind of think that it's him, like, trying to control the situation better. Uh, yeah. And, like... I don't even know like he 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 like makes all these fake things like oh I don't want to do it until uh until we're married and then even when they're married he doesn't want to do it so it's like stop lying and just I don't know <laughs> what, is the the do it when what do you mean what he doesn't want to do it when they're married they do it the first night that they're married what are you talking they about they have sex twice in her human life have you uh, like Toby I was literally watching that scene today like <laughs> In preparation for this podcast, Wait, Amanda uh, was in the kitchen cooking. Her and I were talking. She's at like I, our little island table and she's chopping some vegetables. And I see her type in Twilight Sex and start because, scrolling on YouTube in preparation for this. You guys, it, I just want to let the FBI agent who is <laughs> monitoring me know I'm not a creep, creepy person. I just was preparing for the podcast. Um, but like Edward literally says to Bella, he's like, I'll try this like once. But, like, I, I still am not sure about this. And she's like, it'll be fine. The fact that Edward is so afraid of, like, having sex with her is really dangerous because it gives young women this idea that, like, Edward can't distinguish having sex with her or he's like, I'm going to, I can't have sex with you or I'll kill you. Right. And so it's like this whole idea that men can't, it's like this really fine line between, like, violence and sex. Yeah. When it's actually can't pretty control. pretty thick and pretty clear, yeah. And so it gives this idea that men right. can't control their desire to, like, hurt women. And in Bella, it's so obvious. She's just like, and she says in the book, too, she's like, you're not going to hurt me. Like, you love me. Why would you even hurt me? And he's like, I can't, I can't, I can't control it. And it's like, <laughs> come on. It's a very thick line distinction between what is violence and what is, what is, um, you know, sexual and just like, you know, you, you, like, making love with someone or whatever. And I think that's why it was, we'll talk about this a little, you know, later, but I think that's why it was so easy for uh fanfic to verge mm. quickly into that BDSM like range and problematically. So, right. Because it was like, Edward couldn't, he literally couldn't be violent when, or couldn't not be violent without having sex with her. And that is a really, really terrible message right. to give to young women that men inherently can't control themselves in that, in that setting. And that's just not true. You know, mm. that's a really good point. And they never have like full on conversations even about that. Like in the movie, uh, they don't even have, uh, like in eclipse when they're, Bella thinks they're going to have sex and they actually end up not. Um, they're alone in the house mm-hmm. and they have the bed and there's not even a conversation like, okay, well, I don't want to have sex, but I can do other things. Or like, these are my clear boundaries of like what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with. Like there is so much gray area in the conversations. They literally don't talk about any form of like what each of them are comfortable with outside of him just saying, 
no period out like outside of kissing which Mm -hmm. there's not even like a conversation i do think and i don't think this is as this is specifically Twilight's fault, but just in general in media, sex is portrayed one way. Like it's just one thing. Like like you're gonna like have sex and and that's it. Like there's there's no P and V penetration. Yeah. So I I don't blame Twilight for that, but I never even realized like they they don't really do anything, or at least it's not written no. about at all. And um, like that that also makes it like if you haven't done anything but kiss and then all of a sudden you have sex and being in Edward's shoes, you're more likely to hurt Bella if you haven't done anything but kiss. But if you've progressed and it's almost like you're like learning how to have self-control in situations outside, like you push yourself in small amounts so that you can eventually do something rather than just jumping in hot and maybe breaking a headboard. To be fair to like Twilight, Stephanie Meyer, like and everything, it's like, we also have to recognize, like, yes, it the most authentic portrayal of sex in the franchise would have included, like, them having more discussions or, like, you know, talking about what they were okay with or, like, any type of, like, masturbation. But, like, let's be real. It's a YA novel. Like, their target audience is what, like, tr- like young, like, women starting at, like, 12 years old. And I think that... Yeah, but, like, isn't that when, like, kids should be, like, being educated about, like, masturbating and, like different forms of like like not just kissing and then sex like there's that's when kids are like learning about all of that stuff but I didn't like for example I don't think like I was told about these things so much as like and I don't know that our generation was told about these things so much as you like kind of find out on your own which is like and I'm sure we'll get into this more which is where fanfic comes into play where it was like this little thing that you go and read and like people are writing all this explicit stuff you know, for women. Like, I, yeah. For boys. For it's women. like, oh, they just watch porn. I think that like yeah. for men and um, well, and boys are also way more open about masturbating in their own cert- like, but they talk about it way more than girls talk about it at it's all. It's like, like an acknowledgement. Yeah. It's like, yeah, everyone does it. But with girls, that's not the it's, case. Yeah. It's much more taboo. Like, and I think it starts at that age. I mean, like, like you're talking about like, oh, don't you think that like, 12-year-olds at this point are already, like, learning and talking about that. I think that that's true of, like, young boys. Like, I think they obviously are learning and taught taught about all of that at a lot much younger age in general just because I guess it's, like, less avoidable, you know what I mean, because of, like, ma- I guess, like, male anatomy. But, like, it, yeah. I, I think it's, like, definitely a conversation that's pushed off or not even had a lot more for women than it is, like, with men or, like, boys versus girls, whatever. The funny thing is, is I don't even know that it's a conversation for men either. The same way that we're talking about it, it should be a conversation for women. It's just kind of an expectation. It's just something that's like, you're just assumed to do it. It's just portrayed in media. Like, everybody does this at some point. You learn, you you see porn, your friend shows it to you. And like, that's just how it starts. Nobody's really having, and I mean, at that time, nobody was really having conversations. Unless you're like pretty progressive. Maybe not nobody, but... Um, nobody was really having conversations about these kinds of things at all. So I don't know that Twilight is is the cause of these things so much as a symptom of like 
a culture where we don't talk about sex. But I also will say, though, it's kind of a shame because vampires in general are like a great avenue for that because they're just like a sexy, mystical creature. Because I did read pretty racy books and they're terrible. Please don't read them. I mean, yeah, read them if you want. But they were I read quite a lot of them called the House of Night series. I also read some of those. (laughs) Yeah. And they're they're very like sex filled, like pretty. I mean, I wouldn't say like incredibly graphic. But I mean, like they go into pretty, they go into detail about yeah. things that are happening. You also, know? kind of scandalous because I'm pretty sure they were written by like a mother and daughter. So I'm like, oh my god, I would never write these with yeah. my mom. But good for them, good for them. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like there, there were other vampire YA things read, like written that in the t- during the time ish that did have that were like. There were way sexier sex. books. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why the whole fan fiction thing really. I, I don't know where fan fiction ever started, but I know it was like a big thing with Twilight, but I'm sure that that is why. Actually, like, you guys, gap. like I, so I was like looking it up because I was curious, like on, on fanfiction.net, TBT, um, Twilight is still like the second most, I guess like, re- not reviewed, but like fanfic uh, book after like the Harry Potter series, but 221,000 like works, like, which is crazy. You know, what's really funny. Um, so I was doing a little bit of reading about what Stephanie Myers says about fan fiction and how she felt about, um, 50 shades of gray. And actually from like different interviews, it's, she said that she kind of had a problem with the fact that people associated 50 shades of gray with, twilight because 50 shades was so raunchy and that's like not what twilight was um hmm. which is just so i'd funny have and- a problem too i'd be like <laughs> excuse me you ripped off my whole fucking series and now you're a billionaire or i don't know if she's a billionaire but like now she has so much money stephanie meyer was actually very graceful in like being like you know like she never came out and said like this is a ripoff this is bs yeah well actually pissed. I, I mean, I read like a whole kind of interview with her about fan fiction in general, and she was kind of just talking about the fact that she felt like a lot of the authors of fan fiction should go off and create their own worlds instead of, and not in like an insulted way, but in a way of like, you're obviously so talented, you should come up with your own kind of worlds that you can publish, make money off of instead okay. of creating fan fiction. But to be fair, like, she she did. That's exactly <laughs> exactly what she did she used twilight and inspired her but they're not vampires the only it's thing that's too like, close it's too close i'm sorry I, okay. well i mean there was a legal team i'm sure that made sure enough percentage of it was different well okay you know what's so interesting i mean i've never i never read any twilight fan fiction but i have read other fan fiction and i've also read a lot of like just like romance novels in general like you know like books like actual books and like uh something I feel like it's like very taboo and I feel like it hasn't even really become okay to even talk about fan fiction until I mean we've had this conversation amongst the four of us but like yeah but we don't even talk about our own experiences with fan fiction and I'm glad that we don't I know you <laughs> but are you guys but Gen Z is like liberated they're liber- <laughs> they're liberating like everyone and now like millennials and like I guess you could call us zillennials maybe is like a term that some people use I don't know generation k Right. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. I don't identify as a Gen Zer, but I know I'm not quite old enough to be like a true millennial person. Um, but anyway, just to say that, like, a lot of them fan fictions that I've read are like way 
better than actual published, like, books that I have read. Like, way better. Like, I've read some trash fucking books that I'm just like, how did this get, like, okay, have you guys, well, no, I'm not gonna talk, it's like a random, like, movie. And it got made into a movie. Like, I've read books that were so bad that got made into movies. I mean, I'm not, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, maybe not, like, the best example, but also, like, let's give her some credit. Like, she, she, you know, good or bad, she wrote it. It's not like Twilight is, like, a master of, like, it's not like Twilight is, like, Pride and Prejudice either, you know? Like, yeah, totally. So one thing that made this so successful, like the franchise in general, is that like it's a way for young readers to read about sex and parents are, for the most part, like on board. It's not like it's like kids are reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, <clears throat> true. The story uh, explores female desire like a lot. Like that's a huge point throughout the whole franchise but it keeps the re- actual like realities of sex and like logistics um very brief so like it gives young girls the opportunity to think about their own desire and feel desire sexual desire like through the book without actually having to you know like read a whole 50 shades of gray sex scene about it which is pretty uh like there there weren't that many um books for like young girls to that actually focused on like female desire. I mean, I didn't read maybe there were, but I didn't read them. Yeah, I think other YA focus on like other things and not necessarily like a relationship. It's definitely like the yeah. PG version of sex or like a romance novel, you know what I mean? Like it, it, at the end of the day, it stays true to I guess the audience. It's YA, YA, young adult, young adult like 12 to 18 right like that's like their target demo even though yeah as we've like talked about on this podcast like the, the demo definitely extended beyond that target target but at the end of the day it was really intended for like mostly young women ages probably like 12 to 18 so yeah. like i i think that's like a, a good point that emily that like the way that it was written while it's probably not like probably not the best or like maybe healthiest uh representation it it was it did make it very accessible to that target demo that it was trying to attract in that like you didn't need to know really that much it was okay for them to read it like it wasn't inappropriate but it still kind of introduced them to that topic but then you could also argue that it isn't in that's completely inappropriate because again, going back to this whole thing of like Edward not having control of himself, almost wanting to killing her every time she asked for just a kiss. Like it just, it, it, it makes this idea of just like exploring your body or exploring what it means to have any sort of sexual desire for someone dangerous. And I think that's really, I don't think that's very good for impressionable minds, but you know. Could you also counter that, um, like, and I'm not saying this was my interpretation of it, but in that same vein where it's like having sex with Bella is so dangerous, is it also the idea that like Bella is very powerful in this? Is as in like, hmm. um, but then her power is tied to her sex. You know, I, I, I which having, is a very common feminist, which is a very common feminist that's argument. That's true. That's so. true. 
you're okay. You're right. All right. Whoa, all right. whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, I just mean that I, like it's 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 not as simple. I feel as, like he does say that though. Yeah. He's like, I feel like they talk about it kind of, and they're like, uh, he's like, you're you're like you have power over me essentially. Yeah. Like I can't control myself when I'm around you. Thus you have power over me in that hmm. way. Like, you know, if, if you're with someone and they are having a hard time controlling themselves when they're around you, then you obviously have some sort of power over them because you're making them act a way that they don't wish to act. Yeah. Whether but that's that your is... harm to society. That's not cool. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like you can't control yourself. Get out of the room. Well, like, he can know. control himself. Obviously, he's not biting her, but it's like a strenuous, a deep infatuation, which Twilight is a fantasy. It is a fantasy. So like, I think if that's a patriarchal, like, brainwashing Your, your fantasies can can include patriarchal brainwashing. You can't, like, there's... It just is. We live in the patriarchy, so... It's interesting that for, like, a series that is so... Uh, centrally about like sex and like ro- romance but specifically obviously between like Belle and Edward is um it's interesting that they really don't have sex at all until the last book and and Breaking Dawn part one like they there's no no sex at all in the series and even then when they finally do have sex in the book it's written very it's like very vague like very sparsely written like kind of like fill in the blanks like it's definitely the pg version and even in the movie like i was watching the scene today it's like it's a pretty quick scene pretty pretty quick and (laughs) also i don't know if i'm the only one that feels this way maybe i just don't think that like ed uh robert and Kristen have like great chemistry i know obviously a lot of people do they're very successful films i don't quite see it but even, like, the scene that they're in together, it's, like, it's just, it's very PG. As far as, like, movie sex scenes go, they could have pushed it a lot farther, and they, they didn't. It was pretty I, clean. I think a Have you seen the sex scene in the notebook? Because that's PG-13, too, and that scene is, like... Way hotter. Way, way hotter. more hot. It's way more explicit than the Twilight ones. The Twilight is like crossfades, cross crossfades. Like it's just like back. an arm close up. But if and you, you don't watch know Breaking Dawn Part Two, it, the scene where they're like in their little house, that's slightly more explicit. Yeah, yeah, because they're like they can go a little crazier. Well, because they're right? both. But I do think something that is pretty interesting about Breaking Dawn in general, both the movie and the book, is the fact that they describe the wedding night and like her losing her virginity on the wedding night and him too, I guess, which is something that I don't think I've ever seen before portrayed like her getting ready and being nervous and like all of that where like normally it's portrayed as like everybody knows what they're doing. And um, I mean, it, it is a little bit like romantic in this and it obviously it's not always romantic in that way, but like, I don't know. I, I feel like we shouldn't discount the way that it is portrayed in this just because it doesn't fit into like, you know, open conversations and like everybody's having sex when they're like teenagers and like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, w- I wasn't discounting. I was just saying it's interesting that for books that are so just associated with sex, like, and they're thought of as solely being about sex, there, there's actually not that much sex in it at all. And a lot of people actually But I think like that's that's a lot of that that's a lot of novels. Even if you go back to like Pride and Prejudice or Jane Eyre, like it's just how good like there can be so much sexual tension in like 
someone unbuttoning their glove you know like that's that's like that's a lot of female driven uh like romance novels most of them most of the most popular i guess i would say are like not that sexually explicit mm-hmm So another thing that's kind of really talked about in kind of how it's been critiqued or the sexuality of Twilight has been critiqued is a lot is there is kind of this parallel between like Bella becoming a vampire and also her losing her virginity. Mm -hmm. And it's like like as Edward is cares a lot about protecting her humanity and also somehow that means he's also really into protecting her virginity and her virtue and it's kind of like this thing where it's like once she loses it like she can't get it back once she loses her humanity she can't get it back and I think that's really interesting because it is like a little bit like sending this message like you know be careful like make sure you're married because you can't go back once you do it once Mm -hmm. you have sex you know and it's like Edward is like constantly saying like I don't know I don't know like I might hurt you I might hurt you like the stakes are so high for just her getting it in it's like kind of not okay like it creates this like whole thing that also just like draws on the classic like vampire trope though right of like vampires like wanting like virgin women to like not have sex with but uh like drink from and then once they've been drank from it's like or if they're not a virgin it's like not as sweet they don't have the sweet sweet virgin blood Mm. do you know what I mean like that whole trope so I feel like she just took that and was like let's use this and you know apply it to their actual sex another thing that made me think of and just to bring up bring this up again vampire diaries is how like stefan really wants elena to remain a human and then damon who's like the more like sexual liberated free character is is all about elena embracing herself when she becomes a vampire and i feel like that same kind of concept could probably be applied in that um universe as well well it's interesting though jesse like saying that like what her humanity is is, like parallel to her like her virginity because it's also it's like um edward does not definitely doesn't want her to um become a vampire like he wants to keep her a human because and and kind of the entire colon's like i mean think of rosalie right so rosalie was obviously like sexually assaulted but she wanted like the life that like Bella couldn't live, right? Which that Bella could live, but didn't want, which was like to be human and to be married and have kids. And it's like, in a way I feel like she kind of is also supporting this idea that, um, to be a vampire kind of is like the same thing as like, uh, to be tainted by like losing your virginity, which is kind of in like a patriarchal society, how a lot of, uh, people view unmarried women who are also not virgins. I mean, obviously it's 2020 and it's not, you know, it's it's not so heavily enforced in the same way, but it has been for like, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah, and like that whole idea too, like the saga basically says like men only want women who are virgins or like Edward only wants Bella when she's 
a virgin. Not he only wants her, but like that's a, that he sees a lot of value in that. And he's not even willing to like have a conversation about anything, mm-hmm. you know, and like it's we haven't even talked about this, but it is like really kind of fucked that like he's a old man actually yeah. <laughs> and she's a 17 year old and like i read uh this article that talked about like basically a lot of vampire um shows like it cited uh buffy the vampire slayer and the vampire diaries and how like for some reason like when girls turn 17 it's like the magic age where hollywood is like you can have consent with men who are like yeah. i don't even remember like five times your age and it's totally fine and no one cares um but it's just so crazy that like that's not really um, explored in the actual franchise. No, uh, I, like she kind of says like, "Oh, like you're old," like in like a joking way. But it's like, no, he's a hundred and he's never had sex with someone before. That's kind of fucking crazy. I think the way, like, if you think of it literally, yes, it's creepy. But I think the way that it's portrayed in Twilight is the fact that he's like still a teenager, not the fact that he's like a hundred year old man. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I, I, I know that it's um something that the audience is kind of just supposed to overlook. It's, like, one of those things that you have to accept in the world. But I do think that, you know, we can accept it and still acknowledge that it, it is slightly, you know, problematic in its nature. That, like, this is something that is, like, consistently happening. Yeah. And like, I guess it's kind of like the whole fantasy though, right? Because it's like the vampire where it's like, you know, a strange figure who is mysterious and ambiguous. And then like a young woman who is virginal. Yeah. I don't like, it's not like Edward is portrayed literally as like a 100 year old man. And in that case, it wouldn't be as attractive. It wouldn't be as like as much of a fantasy you know but he I mean? kind of is, though. If you read Midnight Sun, he is like an older man. And that's the thing. It's like these older. OK, sure. He's 17, but he still lived a, a hundred years or whatever. And like he had it like they always play it as like, oh, I have this uh, wisdom over you. Like whatever. Like he's the older guy that has this uh, wisdom and knows more. And like he's going to help me in these situations where I'm vulnerable. And let me wait for what he says because he knows best. It's like, I don't know. I I actually think that his age is more so supposed to or intended and maybe there was unconscious things about age gaps and relationships and things like that. But I, I felt like reading it and being a fan of it that his age gap was more so to be presented as I've lived so long and I haven't found anybody that I clicked with as much as I have with you. And I don't think it was – and not to say we can ignore like what that actually means in, in real life. But I don't think it was supposed to be like he's this older man. Have you guys seen um, Bram Stoker's Dracula? Just yeah. like with Winona yeah. Ryder. And actually Gary Oldman, I think, is in it as well, Toby. So um, I know you're a fan. Um, <laughs> but it's like kind of, and it's a classic trope in like a lot of monster films, is that uh, Gary Oldman plays, I'm pretty sure he plays Dracula, but he plays Dracula when he's like handsome and like kind of luring in like, his prey, who I think Winona Ryder, and when he's, like, luring her in, he's, like, this handsome young guy, 
But in reality, he's, like, this grotesque, like, older, like, fucking vampire. And in a way, it's, like, I mean, like, if, if, if the fact that they look young is the only reason that people are okay with it. You know what I mean? Like, which is, if, if he, like, let's say he looked young only when he was, like, around Bella, but, like, when he didn't eat or whatever, he looked, like, really fucking old, then people would feel some type of way. Like, especially for the movie adaptation, because nobody wants to see that, old I people. Mean, yeah, I, that's kind of what I was saying, is that it's not that he's portrayed as this 100-year-old man. Like, he's still this young, like, teenager. Yeah, but what Amanda's saying is that it's still underneath it all. He is an old man, just like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, when he doesn't feed, Mm -hmm. he doesn't look like a young Gary Oldman. He looks like a gross, dried-up Dracula with, like, white hair and white skin and, like, wrinkles everywhere. It kind of goes back to, like, uh, that conversation Edward and Bella had in, like, the first book where he's like, everything about me is designed to lure you in. Like, including his beautiful 17-year-old face. Like... (laughs) If he looked, yeah, he literally says, "My face, my voice, even my smell." But I always think of it also, and this is uh, just kind of counter to it. Also, is like you know how people say when they get old that they still feel young. That's such bullshit, though. I'm sorry. When people say that, it's like you know okay. what I'm saying, though. Like you still feel like a kid. You still feel young. You still feel yeah, like, like a young soul. You know what I mean? Like. Like, I, I'm also just thinking of, like, the Vampire Diaries. Like, they're also h- hundreds of years old, and they can acknowledge that yes. they lived in those centuries. But the way that they act and their maturity and whatnot is still within the same age range that they are. It's not like they're yeah. these wise old men. I guess well, I, I will say, back. too, like, he's been in high school, like, a billion times. Like, it's not like he's hanging out with, like, old people who have, like grown up with him from like uh whatever he was born like you know? he's constantly around teenagers then like your maturity level must be truncated have, at some okay, point have you also guys- hypothetically their brains would have like frozen in time and only developed to a certain point oh that's terrifying because he's 17 well i you I'm know saying, i don't know that their brain right. i do freeze. question that i do think about that i, I- their brains would well it would freeze no. in the sense like you it would know, freeze his frontal his frontal lobe yeah. would not develop further yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. You mean like physically, like biologically. His brain. Yeah, like the well, way that yeah. you continue like, to I develop. I still has a 17-year-old brain. Like you I can't... thought you were saying that like in... But, like, but, 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 sorry, just to go really quickly on the lore. Okay. That doesn't make sense because he can learn other languages and learn piano, which means your brain is still making new neurological connections. Yes, but it's not... Your div- brain can still grow. But somewhere, I, somewhere you can Stephanie make... Meyer is like, you guys, it's not that serious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Reexamine Podcast. Next week, we'll be reexamining vampires. Let us know what your favorite fanfic was on Instagram or Twitter at Reexamine Podcast. This podcast is produced and edited by the four of us, and our music was composed and produced by Whitney Miller. Make sure to subscribe or follow us on whatever platform you're listening on so you don't miss a beat. Bye! Peace! See ya! Bye!